have the hosts of this podcast already been replaced with AI? How can the earth be flat if the sky isn't flat? Answers to these questions and more on this Paranormal Life! Hello! Heyo! Welcome back to This Paranormal Life, the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday, me, Kit, this guy, Rory, we dive into a different paranormal case and decide by the end of the episode if it's true or not. How are you doing today, Rory? Hey, there's nothing I love more than talking about the paranormal with my best buddy, Kit Greermold. Hey. It is the highlight of my week, hopefully the highlight of yours. And that's why Absolutely. I want to bring up uh, something recently that I did that was probably the most paranormal thing I've done in a long time. Okay, I'll say in a lot. I ate oysters for the first time ever. <laughs> okay. Are you going to sit here and tell me that that shit is from Earth? Well, I mean, you're actually talking to the worst possible person, or best, because I've never eaten one. Have you seen them? <laughs> it looks very strange, my man. And there's no, at least the way I ate them was was like caveman style, which is basically sucking them out of a shell as if they were fresh off the beach. <laughs> caveman style. I broke into a Michelin star restaurant, <laughs> beat the head chef over the head and took the oysters. They look weird. They taste weird. I didn't enjoy any part of it, but it was the closest I think I've ever got to feeling like I was on an alien planet and eating the goo they served me for dinner. Uh, was Right, so it was bad it to was be terrible. clear? terrible. <laughs> okay. It was the first and last time I think I'm ever going to eat oysters before. And I was with a crowd of gentlemen who very much assured me that they were delicious. <laughs> I say gentlemen, I mean octopuses. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't speak English, but th their body language told me that they were delicious. They were slurping them down. Yeah, they were eating them so fast. <laughs> they must have been good. And they had a lot of hands. So yeah. they, they could actually get through them pretty quickly. You told me that you were vomiting your brains out for three days uh, over the weekend. Yeah. I think they were bad. The oysters were bad. I also didn't know you weren't supposed to eat the shells. I thought those were like a little cracker. <laughs> you thought that was the outside of a crunchy M&M, just a chocolatey coating i kept saying i could give or take the oysters but these sea crackers are delicious <laughs> your teeth were in shards and when rory sees crackers he eats them and i took one bite out of a shell and shattered my jaw rory's on that <laughs> seafood diet when he sees food he almost dies <laughs> uh it's true i tried them they sucked if you think they're good i don't know what you eat what's your normal food the, the, it tasted like someone turned seawater into a jelly and then somehow put it inside of a shell and I had to eat it. I mean, I guess seafood is the weirdest type of food. It's the most alien looking food you can eat, really. That's why you should just stick to raw eggs or as I call them, land oysters. Right. You know where you are with, a, with an egg. You crack it just straight down your throat. But, uh, but like caviar, fish eggs? Or lobster, which is basically a bug. Basically something from the moon that we haven't found yet. Even if you get an octopus and it's like those little tentacles and it just looks like alien food. It's crazy. We've said it before. The real space is down <laughs> below <laughs> the waves under the sea. So, uh, hell, maybe there's a whole investigation where we just order a seafood platter and see what we can get through. Rory watched The Little Mermaid as a kid and he thought it was 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> He's like, this artificial intelligence, Sebastian, he's so smart. I don't want to sidetrack us. That was just just a funny observation. Well, you have, but it's fine because sometimes we like to have a little bit of catch up at the start of the podcast, but we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to yeah. get into a brand new paranormal case or a brand old one, uh, as may be the case on today's episode, which we're going to get right into. Because we don't have time. Sorry, I know you were going to say something right yeah. there, but we don't have time to get into no. all the weird shit I've eaten over the years because the list would be too long and that would frankly be the whole podcast. You want to say the whole chicken skeleton? <laughs> I said, yeah, we were not going to talk about... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was hard to not mention. Yeah, and it's weird. You, you shouldn't call it a chicken skeleton. That sounds creepy and weird. I ate the bones. Yeah, but, it, but if you eat one bone... Then yeah. that's like, sorry, we're going to sidetrack, but that's like almost like it just fell into a KFC bucket, but you ate the entire The bird. entire skeleton. I also once ate an entire bag of marbles. I thought they were grapes, the lights were off, and I ate the entire bag. Uh, today's case <laughs> is interesting because it's very, very close to home. 
and we're going to get right into it. After a couple of words from today's sponsors, a quick reminder that you can get every episode, all of them, ad-free over at patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. Rory, you know as well as I do, this paranormal life takes us all over the world from the icy foothills of the Himalayas chasing snow demons to the lush undergrowth of Hawaii investigating the Menehune. Today's episode takes place in Derry, Northern Ireland. Whoa, very close to home. (laughs) So to be clear, uh, about 40 minutes on the train from home um, from where we grew up. But that doesn't mean it's any less paranormal because, yeah, we might have run out of money from all our recent investigations all over the world. So, yeah, maybe we strictly by necessity have to investigate stuff in our backyard. I do need to take the train because I had to sell my car on account of all the money. Sure. Um, And hey, you can't blame us for taking a break from investigating ice demons, all right? Because I was married to one for 15 years. So I did some pretty hands-on investigating (laughs) in that situation. And then she and her personal trainer went to investigate the Menihuni on Hawaii Island. (laughs) For their friggin' honeymoon. So don't blame me if I actually want to go to Derry, London, Derry. (laughs) Rory, I promise you... We have spent more than enough airtime over the years discussing your ill-fated marriage and, let's face it, your ex's hunky new personal trainer husband. We all get it. He has abs. That's life. Gotta move on. Even I want to investigate him a little bit. (laughs) But today, we actually might end up discussing some ill-fated marriages. I should say that uh, whilst I don't know if we've been in Derry before here on This Paranormal Life, but... I found out that they made a show called Dairy Girls, set in Derry, and they actually won a bunch of awards and shit. Great and show. And made all of those girls into celebrities. So I think if we tell a story in Derry, all that kind of stuff might happen to us. Hell yeah. The Dairy Boys. <laughs> yeah. It sounds slightly more threatening. Yeah. I would say. Uh, than it Dairy didn't. Girls. We can workshop it. We are actually just on the outskirts of Derry City in a beautiful stately home called Prehen House. It's owned by one Colin Peck. And as it's so grand and spacious, he hosts a lot of guests. Hmm. What I'm picturing is Ireland's Great Gatsby. Yeah, the guy with a big house. You know, it would be really great if you're a rich guy with a big house after the Great Gatsby came out, because before that... You had to be the life of the party. You had to be, um, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies uh, all night. But actually, Gatsby normalized throwing a party and not going to it. Oh, he was the champion of the introverts. He really was. Normalized being aloof, which, uh, you know, as someone who likes to go to parties but spends the entire time hanging out with the dogs, uh, (laughs) I can respect it. I'm not saying I'm getting any ideas for our upcoming world tour in October, you know, putting on the event of a lifetime and personally not turning up to the the show. Yeah. But uh, I'm thinking about it. Gatsby was also the original Mothman. He left his house every night to stare at a light across an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> he was borderline obsessed with that fucking thing. <laughs> Holy shit. Maybe we need to go back and read that book thinking that he's a moth and maybe it will all make sense. Someone comes up behind him and they're like, Great party, old boy. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, the party. I was just, he's like salivating. I was just looking at the the light over there. It's calling to me like a beacon. It's like, I never noticed you had antennas, Gatsby. <laughs> oh, shit. I usually slick those back. <laughs> <laughs> Say, Jenkins, uh, do you have a light? Oh, I didn't know you smoked, Gatsby. What? <laughs> That's right. Colin is throwing a beautiful dinner party. And friend of the family, Lane Latter had enjoyed a wonderful evening of dinner, drinks and good company, but the evening was wearing late and she was about to retire to her guest room on the top floor of the house, ready for a night of pure, quiet, blissful and crucially uninterrupted sleep. Weird the way you delivered that. I feel like that's not going to happen now. As the party wound down, she collapsed into the regal four-poster bed. But just as she was dozing off, she sensed movement in the room. She lay still, suddenly on high alert. She couldn't hear anything. Not to take us out of the story, but Rory, I need you to tap back into your childhood acting classes real quick. Sure. Is is someone there? Stop it now! Just then, she felt a tug at the blankets. 
Cold air swept over her legs and she felt the covers lift up behind her. Whoa! Within moments, she felt someone climb into bed beside her. She was so frightened her whole body was shaking. She could feel someone laying next to her. Oh! After what felt like an eternity, she regained control of her body and flung herself from the bed, scrambling backwards against the wall. But once she was standing there, she could see there was nobody there. The sheets lay flat in the bed. She checked under the bed. Nothing. She ran to the door and it was still locked. Nobody came in or out. Hmm. Whilst shaken, she was eventually able to get some restless sleep. And in the morning, she went down to breakfast, yawning with big bags under her eyes. Colin was in the kitchen and could tell she hadn't slept. So she explained everything that had happened and he nodded, understanding. I'm afraid, my dear, you were visited by the ghost of Half-Hanged McNaughton. Rory, have you ever heard of this case? Uh, I have heard of this case before, uh, only because it was, I believe, pitched to us by our uh, researcher, Amy. Uh, I read it, said no, thought we wouldn't cover it, and then found out today that you you were going to cover it. But uh, having the the uh, goldfish brain that I do have, I've completely forgotten almost every aspect of this story. Okay, we're losing the listeners. Get another thunderclap in here, please. Yeah, it's actually pretty badass, Rory. <laughs> um, okay, so we're slightly breaking the format of the podcast here. Rory has, in theory, uh, has heard some of the beats of this story, but he should know about it anyway because... This one, as I say, is extremely local uh, to where we're from. Yeah. And is a well-known tale of the ghost of Half-Hanged McNaughton. Before we go any further, I know as far as uh, ghost or poltergeist encounters go, that all sounds relatively extreme and pretty unbelievable. But Rory, I do seem to remember you had a pretty similar experience in a hotel room in LA. What? (laughs) Uh, Did I? You know the time that you looked under your bed? Oh, and saw myself as a ghost. <laughs> yeah, that takes that takes some explaining to do. But but yes, I, I I experienced. I didn't have a ghost climb into bed with me. You but you were tra- you were for a split second. You thought you were trapped in a room with a ghost. Oh, my heart stopped. <laughs> I haven't felt fear like that in years. I had to stay up all night working on a project while on a work trip, and as you do right before you check out of a hotel. Uh, you you check around under the bed and in all the drawers and stuff for any belongings that you may have misplaced in your short stay. <laughs> right. Even though you were probably only there for a few hours, you know, <laughs> by the time you're checking out, you're like, I bet I f***ing emptied my wallet in, right. into the safe in the wardrobe. I bet I just tossed my AirPods behind the f***ing chaise long. Exactly, as you do when you get into a hotel room. Uh, but in the process of checking out, while incre- I think I don't think I'd slept for like almost 30-something hours at this point, I knelt on the ground to look under the bed to see if there was anything that had slipped underneath, lifted up the blanket, and for some f***ing reason in this hotel, they thought it would be a good idea to, <clears throat> at the bottom of the bed, just have a line of mirror glass. So, so to me... What happens is I lift up the blanket and see the ghoulish pale face of a man looking back at me. (laughs) I've never been so scared in my life. I thought, because I hadn't left the hotel room the entire night. So as far as I was concerned, for about four seconds, I was convinced a skeleton boy had been living underneath my bed the entire time I was in that room. And the blood was all rushed to your head because you're upside down, so it looks like Dracula. Your hair's all spiked up. Your bag's under your eyes. It looked awful, terrible. It was terrifying. It was genuinely the most scared I've been in a really long time. Uh, so yes, I did have... I, I experienced that same level of fright without it being necessarily paranormal. And, you know, I've had, I don't know what's in the water in LA, but uh, I've had my own haunted hotel room experience in LA. I was staying in a motel near Venice and uh, my wife and I had a night to remember. Uh, Yeah, that's right. The room itself was creepy as all hell to begin with. And that was before in the middle of the night, 
the uh, the radio alarm clock started basically speaking in tongues. Yeah, like um, fucking Bumblebee from Transformers changing the, the radio signals <laughs> to try and form a sentence, you know? It was uh, absolutely terrifying. So um, a lot of bad things can happen in uh, bedrooms like this. Now, as we heard in that story, the owner of the house, Colin, he seemed to know exactly who this ghost was. And that's our lead for today. This guy, half-hanged McNaughton. Poor form, by the way. Don't put your guests in the ghost room. Well, no one said it was the ghost room. Don't say, oh, oh, you've had a little bit too much to drink. I know a place you can stay the night. The guest suite. Round the hall in the Colin, west wing. what happened to your voice? I've always talked like this. You really haven't. Not many go to the west wing anymore. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'll just sleep on the sofa, actually. Shit, really? Yeah, it's pretty comfy, actually. Okay. I was going to take the sofa. I don't even sleep upstairs. <laughs> That's where he lives. <laughs> Who? I've said too much. <laughs> he lies down on the sofa and goes to sleep. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> First dibs on the sofa. <laughs> Come on, god damn it. Tell McNaughton I say hello. <laughs> Alright, so there is a <laughs> so ghost. It's a ghost, yeah. <laughs> to find out more about this SOB, we need to go back in time. The year was 1740. Woo! We're in Trinity College, Dublin. Rich kid John McNaughton was just starting his university studies. His even richer father had passed away back when John was only six years old, leaving John, his only heir, set to inherit the entire estate at the age of 18. Damn, and this is this is 1700s rich, all right? I assume these motherfuckers own ships and <laughs> entire castles. Yeah, John was probably set to inherit most of Sri Lanka for some reason. <laughs> kind yeah. of just countries that were generally in the empire. Um, yeah, Rory, I'm going to guess that, like me, you didn't go to university at 18 with unlimited cash. No. Uh, what would you have done differently with a lifetime supply of money at 18? When I went to university, I got a special grant because my family was so poor. <laughs> I made uh, underneath the threshold that they thought it was humanly possible for a child to survive university. Okay. So they gave me extra money, which was nice. If I had gone with unlimited wealth, that would have been a problem. Because university is right around that time where, yes, you're an adult, you're a grown-up, you pay your own rent and bills, and you're living by yourself. And in theory, sure, you feed yourself, clothe yourself. But also, you're still kind of into Beyblades. <laughs> well, you still kind of like Pokemon cards. I don't know if that's it's, most students, but... I want an Xbox. And all these things are expensive and I couldn't have them when I was younger. So all Japanese technology... <laughs> <laughs> I want a Digivice. Is that too much to ask for? <laughs> On a Sony Walkman. You know, it's that sweet spot where you're like a kid, but you're an adult at the same time. So being by yourself with unlimited money is, is not a good idea. Uh, yes, students are not exactly known for uh, financial conservatism. Sure. Uh, I will say, I think it's pretty sick that Harry Potter does actually happen in real life sometimes. And some kids do have a Gringotts bank full of gold protected by goblins. Yeah, like this kid. Except this wasn't Harry Potter and he wasn't at Hogwarts and he immediately developed a gambling addiction. He was living the high life, skipping every lecture, partying and gambling around the clock. But... It turns out the money wasn't unlimited, and he went into debt. He had to start selling or remortgaging his properties, desperate for cash. He realized that there was only one way out of this. Become financially responsible, make good investments. He needed to marry someone rich. Another good option. And sure. fast. <laughs> Unbelievably, he managed to convince a woman he wasn't a bastard for long enough to propose to her. And so, he married Sophie Daniels in the mid-1700s. Okay. See, if you're someone like John back in the day, if you are a bastard and you've kind of, you fritter away your family estate within six months, um, blowing it on presumably, yeah, pot noodles and CDs from HMV, whatever students buy, in this day and age, with, you know, dating apps, social media, stuff like that, 
WhatsApp, it's kind of hard to hide who you are, especially when normally dating in this day and age, you get to know someone for a few years, often living together before you get married. Right. Uh, back in the day, you just, it was like the movie Aladdin. You just had to pretend to be someone <laughs> that they would want to marry for about three days and then uh, say you'll pay their dad or whatever and then the dad will let you marry them. Yeah, that was all you really needed to do. Was, it was a much more accelerated kind of process. I want to know how this kid blew a fortune in the 1700s. These days, it's very easy to spend money. Okay. You can do it via the phone in your pocket. Right, you could blow it on NFTs in an afternoon. Literally. 1700s? What are you even buying? <laughs> I don't understand. It's like, I want the, I want the fastest horse you have. It's like, okay, he's just a little bit more expensive than the slow horses. There was no horse that cost like $3 million. There was no <laughs> horse that was 30 horsepower. He was just one horsepower. <laughs> All horses were. There was nothing better or faster than that. Right. Maybe a carriage. This was also the 1700s in Dublin. So if you were going out to restaurants, you'd be like, I want the finest soup you have. <laughs> that, that's all they would have. We're still like talking normal meals. You're not getting like Wagyu beef flown in from Japan. You'd be like, give me your finest bread. <laughs> that's still just a little more expensive than the other bread, you know? Well, There's nothing on the menu that's worth 30 grand or something ridiculous. I don't know if that's exactly true, Rory, because, you know, let's say you're a rich guy like this. You get a taste for the finer things in life. Let's say you wake up one day and you go, hey, I want clothes that aren't covered in mud. Sure. You know, even the finest <laughs> ateliers uh, in the city will be like, that's a big ask. <laughs> it's a big ask, <laughs> chief. We've, ne we've never sold an article of clothing that wasn't caked in mud before. <laughs> this is the 1700s after all. I, I think what we're both <laughs> showing here is that we have very limited knowledge of where humanity was in the 1700s. Because <laughs> sure, you can get a bowl of soup, but if you wanted salt in your soup... <laughs> That salt had to be mined in that had to be mined in Ethiopia and shipped for nine months by hot air balloon. <laughs> if, if you wanted a single ice cube in your lemonade, that came at the price of the lives of nine men who had to ship it over from Antarctica. So I don't know. I think there's pros and cons to kind of being rich in this day and age. Uh, sure. But but I take exactly what you're saying. Uh, I think getting back to the marriage, uh, all I'm saying is probably a lot easier to be a bachelor back then, a lot harder to be a bachelorette um, because I hate to say it, but Sophie got catfished. Right. Do you, John, take Sophie to be your lawfully wedded wife? Aye, I do. And I swear to you, Sophie, I'll never gamble again. Weird thing to say <laughs> at the altar. Weird thing to say. <laughs> Unfortunately for Sophie, John may have just been foreshadowing because he immediately started sinking millions of her fortune into bad bets and frittering every penny of his dowry away. Yikes. By 1756, he was in so much debt that the police came to arrest him in the night. John, you're, you're surrounded. surrounded. Come, Come out with, with your hands up. up. Ah, crap. Sophie, get your stuff together. We gotta run. The popo are here. They'll never take us alive. Sophie! Sophie! Sophie would not be running. The life that John had subjected her to had finally got too much. She literally died of fright. What? Again, uh, this is one of those things that doesn't really happen in yeah. the modern age. I guess because we have more words and diagnoses. Um, like I we, think it was a, probably a heart attack. Maybe a heart attack. Cardiac but, arrest. But, but, I think it was. Back then, the diagnosis was bad husband. Bad husband <laughs> yeah. disease. That she just got too stressed and died. Uh, there is always a possibility that she was pretending to be dead, like one of those mountain goats when they get scared. Sure. Uh, which would be kind of genius. Which is also John. Which is also what I did when I saw my own reflection <laughs> in the hotel mirror. <laughs> Froze on spot. <laughs> But maybe due to her sudden death, maybe he was shaken and didn't uh, have the chance to get away. He was successfully arrested. Hmm. But this is only the backdrop to what really was going on with John. Uh, and we are going to get into the insane shit that happened to him 
right after a couple of words from today's sponsors. If you are somebody who loves all things spooky, then Real Life Ghost Stories podcast is the one for you. My name is Emma. I am the host of Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. And every week I bring to you three podcast episodes that are full to the brim with paranormal stories. Every Wednesday and Friday, I release a mini episode which is dedicated to the spooky stories of our listeners. And every Sunday, we deep dive into a famous paranormal case. You can find Real Life Ghost Stories wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. So he was arrested by the police, but was able to make it out again pretty shortly afterwards. Maybe in some ways, Rory, this is something that hasn't changed. That if you are, uh, that if you're born into a rich and powerful family, you're untouchable. I know there's kind of a rhythm to this podcast and we have to, you know, pay respect to the history of these tales. I'm ready for him to die. <laughs> okay. We know he's a ghost and now I'm ready for him to die. He's done enough bad things in the past. We've entertained it long enough. I'm ready for him to be hit by a horse and carriage and his mangled body to haunt the living. There might be a carriage coming up, actually. <laughs> um, but I need to get this last bit of trivia out because it's going to blow your nut off. Okay, but can we just make sure it's like relative to the case and important to who he becomes and it's not just like he also kicked a homeless man <laughs> one time. It's like, all right, yeah, we get it, he's a bastard. He dined and dashed one time in West London. One time he like bought a pair of shoes and then he wore them to a thing and then the next day he took them back to the shop and was like yeah they don't fit right like just like tiny little piece of shit moves it's like a piece of shit thing but it's barely illegal you know like you could afford the shoes the whole time yeah exactly why yeah why do this because i can see in your notes here there's one case of him uh putting a watermelon inside a baby's pram and pushing it in front of moving traffic so that when a car hit the pram and the watermelon exploded, they thought that they had killed a baby. And that is dark. That is dark and f***ed up. But I don't know if that's necessarily relevant to, to, to kind of the greater story of how much of a bastard he was. And like I said, that watermelon had had traveled for years. Right, yeah. Years. So like that was a cool thing that only he could do almost. <laughs> It was the first watermelon in Ireland. And he, right in front of the guy who delivered it, pushed it in front of moving traffic. Yeah. And then when the car hit it, he ran out in front of the car and was like, what are you doing? You just hit my baby with your car? Are you fucking mental? He was such a screwed up guy. He was so weird. Uh, After he got out, he was, uh, through his connections, he was able to bag the job of tax collector. Rory, you're not going to believe where he was a tax collector for. He was the tax collector for Coleraine. What? <laughs> so Coleraine is <laughs> is a town very close to where Kit and I grew up. I mean, five minutes from where we grew it's, up. It's, where we grew up is basically a, a suburb of this town. And you guessed it, he would go around town collecting the taxes and they just keep them. <laughs> but don't worry, Rory. I'm about to tell you some more details of what he got up to, but this is all relevant. At this point, he, he met a very rich 15-year-old who he decided he would marry. What is happening? That's worse than the watermelon thing. <laughs> he asked her father for his blessing. He obviously said no. Of course. John told everyone he said yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and they quickly had their sham wedding. 
But when the father found out, he confronted John. You're not married to my daughter, sir. God forbid that you ever should be. Your marriage was not legal and you tricked her, you shameless ruffian. John yelled back, Fuck off, mate. I've already married her. <laughs> and you don't have to call me sir. I've got your daughter and whether or not she'll be my wife or not, she is the love of my heart and I'll have her. Never. McNaughton barked orders to his coachman to get moving. John drew his gun and aimed it at Mr. Knox. He pulled the trigger but missed. Shit! John leaned out of the carriage window this time, trying to get a clear shot of him. Stand still, you wee shit! He fired again, but the bullet ricocheted, and John's wife Anne slipped to the floor. He had hit his wife instead of her dad by accident. Being a rat coward, he tried to run from the scene, but was quickly tracked down. And because this was back in the day, he was sentenced to death by hanging. Great. In, a, in an open field in Straban. Thank God. When he was brought to the gallows, John addressed the crowd. Remember me as a kind man, a generous man, who loved animals and orphans and gave lots of money to charity. The crowd began to whip up into a frenzy. Hang him! Let him perish! Send him to hell where he belongs! Shut up! I'll kill you! The hangman approached the gallows and pushed John off the platform where he was standing to fall to his death. The crowd fell into silence. The rope had snapped and John McNaughton stood surprised but very much alive on the ground. You don't get off. That doesn't mean you don't get to be hung. Back in those days, Someone it was shoot believed. Him. It was no. believed that if a noose were to snap, it meant that God had chosen that person to live. You would be set free on the spot. You're kidding me. Shoot him dead. <laughs> the peasants changed their tune instantly. What are you waiting for? You've been spared by the Lord. Get out of here. But John didn't budge. He didn't want to continue. He addressed the people again. No. If I walk away from this place today, people will call me Half-Hanged McNaughton. I'd rather die than be called that. Hang me again so I can die with honor. The executioner didn't need to be asked twice. He looped another rope and this one didn't break. Half-Hanged McNaughton died instantly. Needless to say, that is exactly what everyone called him from then on. We once did a whole episode of the podcast based around Richard Nixon, and this is the longest amount of time that we've given to a bastard on this podcast before. <laughs> th th this was a man's life that didn't deserve to be immortalized in audio form. Sure, one could argue that I might have gone into a little too much detail than the people need, but he lived a colorful and bad life while he was alive, so it's only fitting he lives a colorful life in death. Yes, okay, so I'm assuming now that the introduction is over, we begin the podcast talking about the hauntings. As we found out at the beginning, our friend Lane Latter wasn't the first person to meet the ghost of Half-Hung McNaughton. Uh, meets an exaggeration, she got tangled in a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even say he was who he was, she didn't even see anything. It turned, right, listen up, I'm just saying. Because actually what happened to Lane is incredibly similar to what's happened to other people. If Colin spills a cup of tea, he doesn't go, John, stop knocking me about, John. He doesn't, if the TV won't find the goddamn channel, he's not like, oh, half-hung McNaughton messing with the aerial again. No, there is a pattern of paranormal behavior. A pattern of blanket tanglements. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, there's a lot of blankets involved. But ghosts are actually iconically covered in blankets. They're sheets. They're literally covered <laughs> in sheets, famously. It turns out that this Prehen house we talked about at the beginning, that was owned by Andrew Knox's family. That's the father that McNaughton tried to kill. Right. It was owned by his family for 170 years. And John spent a lot of time at that house trying to get with this guy's daughter which on reflection is worrying because we've seen a lot of angry ghosts over the years, but we might be dealing with a horny ghost. Mm, not a good combination. 
This ghost that has been witnessed and seen is getting into bed with people. It's seen loitering around the gardens with another ghostly woman, both in old-timey clothes. And as if that association with the house wasn't bad enough, it said that when Puran was shot, it took her 10 hours to die and she was laid out in the living room at Prehin House where she spent her last moments. This is the problem with ghosts. Often when you see these spectres of forgotten times, they're often doing an activity that they are known for uh, in the past. So if your ghost was just really into shagging, that's not a poltergeist you want in your house. No. Shagging in the living room, shagging in the garden. It's just going to be, it's just another thing on top of an already an annoying thing. We've already, you know, the closest we probably come is the masturbating ghost monkey of Athel Hampton. Yeah, a classic TPL episode. B- but, you know, what made that funny was that it was a monkey. If it's a man, <laughs> it's, a, it's bad. It's really bad. It's definitely bad. Okay, so this guy has been seen in the afterlife. But you and I both know, Rory, sightings are not enough. Witnesses are not enough. What we need on this paranormal life is evidence. That's the only way that we can give this case a yes to say it's definitively paranormal and reclaim a point to covering this case. <laughs> well, interestingly, and this rarely happens, but someone has beaten us to an on-location investigation at Prehen House. Hmm. In the mid-2000s, there was a TV show made called Northern Ireland's Greatest Haunts. What? And they made an episode all about Prehen House. But crucially, they had a paranormal team known as Paranormal Study and Investigation Ireland, or PSI, spend the night in the house and try and scientifically detect ghosts. Do you want to see what happened? Yeah. Is there any one particular room within the house that you would say is the most haunted? The ghost room. We have the ghost room. (laughs) The ghost room. Uh, Look at all these pictures. It's like the eyes are following you. Maybe you were right that he sent Lane to the ghost room. So what room is this? So this is the ghost room. Ah. People who I don't particularly know very well have slept in this room. <laughs> so he does send his guests to the ghost room. Without any prior knowledge beforehand. With no prior knowledge, no. Oh, Jesus. And what exactly happens then? What happens is the bed sinks down. And they all report the same thing. It's just if you're lying there, your eyes are closed, and someone gets into bed with you. And I have to say that it happened to me once as well. Oh, I, I like the ghosts, and they make me feel at home, and I know I'll be joining them at some stage in the future. <laughs> keep, keep an eye on that dude. <laughs> Keen to make the most of the remaining hours of darkness, Andy briefs the team so they can begin their experiments as quickly as possible. Let's just set everything up, sit back and see what happens. <laughs> All right, these guys have a lot of paranormal gadgets. Basically, this is yeah. a little system I've devised, and it's called the ITC Orchestra. ITC is Instrumental Transcommunication, and it's basically the apparent ability of picking up paranormal activity on electronic equipment, and that's done by video and audio. True to its name, the ghost room is where most of the mansion's paranormal activity is said to occur. Tonight, Tony draws the short straw. Right, so you're OK to do this, Tony? Well, I think we'll give it a go. Yeah, you're going to be in here. It's going to be complete blackness. Okay. Right, you won't be able to say a thing. Now, I want you to call out some names, OK, that are relevant to the property, OK? So the first one's John McNaughton, OK? The second one is Mary Ann, and the third one is Andrew Knox. Two hours later, Tony has reported nothing from the pitch darkness. Earlier, however, when he called out the name of Andrew Knox, several things happened simultaneously elsewhere including an unnerving experience for Darren on the stairs below the ghost room. I happened to look up, and as I looked up, I seen a figure. It walked with his head down, <laughs> his arms down, and walked from right to left. Was it captured? No. The, the camera angles didn't quite catch anything, right. simply because uh, the door was ajar, and uh, no, yeah. we didn't. It, it you happens. really have to take my word for this one. Oh, well. Well, and again, you've called out Andrew Knox, and Andrew Knox ties in, he was the father, and he's the depressive. Yeah. But in theory, in the bedroom, they got nothing so far. We're there to try and bring a sense of balance. We're there to try and look for alternative explanations. So they're, they're doing the method of a classic, setting up all their detecting shit, and then 
speaking the names of the people who are associated into the room, see if they get a reaction. Yeah. They, they, they have a full multicam setup here. I'm seeing four different cameras set up all around the house, and they've missed the first ghost. <laughs> Just to catch everyone up. Marion will now attempt direct contact. Here in the hall outside the ghost room, she's hoping that any connection with the former master of Prehen House will be channeled through Andy's dowsing rods. Andrew Knox, are you here in this room? They've got dowsing rods and they've got a medium trying to communicate with Mr. Knox. You said you wanted help. Do you need our help? They're plugging wires into violins. There's microphones inside of shoes. Yeah. If you can come forward, then maybe Marion can help you. I think at any point they're going to bring out a Tamagotchi hooked up to an amplifier to see if they can get the thing to lay a shit that spells out the initials of McNaughton. Good evening, Andrew, sir. They're trying to get the ghost to speak into the microphone. My name is Marion. You came to visit me. How can I help you, sir? Being polite, being cordial, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Even though he's a piece of shit. No, this is actually is the father, I think. Oh, I apologize. He's asking me um, where she is, where, she, where is she, where is she? She died, um, you know that. I'm presuming that he's asking about Mary Ann. He's here, right in front of me. I've got a, a head like as if it's on fire. I don't know if anybody can pick that up, but my head feels as if it's on fire. Fair enough, her, her, her head is f***ing red on the thermal camera. <laughs> you can speak to me, you spoke to me. Can you not leave this place, sir? No. Could you come with me outside? Could I take you outside with me? Yes. Oh, that's what he wants me to do. I've just gone cold from the top of my head to the tips of my toes. It's a bridge. Psychic he bridge. wants a bridge. Psychic yeah. bridge. Yeah, so can I do that? They're gonna perform a psychic bridge. Can't just say the word psychic bridge <laughs> and expect everyone to know what you're talking about. Move slowly, really slowly. Let his energy catch up with us as we're going. Yeah, I feel a bit trembly. He's like a trembly energy. When he's in me, he's like, he's making me tremble. My head's burning. Mm. I feel different. The pain's gone. Do you, feel, right. do you feel as though it's gone? Yeah, I feel, okay. I feel so like the ghost shaking. entered the medium and she walked outside to let him out of the house. Pause the video. Pause the fucking video for a, for a minute <laughs> whoa, whoa, calms on, just because, bro. Just because it's an audio thing, I know people aren't getting the whole picture of what's happening here on the video. <laughs> just to clarify, yes. uh, her and this other investigator were inside sitting inches from one of the biggest fireplaces you've ever seen <laughs> with a roaring fire behind them. And she starts talking about how hot and uncomfortable she is. She says it feels like her head is on fire. Then they go outside into the cold night air and suddenly she feels better. Like Light. The, like the, the cooling fresh air has calmed the raging Well, I think heat. it's also possible that she performed a psychic bridge, uh, that the ghost of Andrew Knox has entered her body. She walked very slowly to let his energy catch up with her and now that she's outside of the house potentially I mean you pause the video so we don't know but potentially the ghost of Andrew might have been relieved from the house you want to have the same paranormal moment of relief have an ice pop <laughs> that'll, that'll chill you out as well despite the apparent quiet it seems that Marion's questions did not go unanswered when you guys are out in the next room you were saying something like are you here? And then you said, I can feel him. And right after I can feel him, you get. Yeah, I can feel him. I can't see anything. Oh my Christ, I can't see anything. The recording's riddled with them. Stuck inside. I'm stuck inside and then inside, inside. So they've got a guy in the other room who's record. He's the guy, he's the fucking Q from James Bond. He's hooked everything up. He's got the violin and the microphone. But he had a microphone in the room while they're trying to talk to Andrew the ghost. Point was, they're talking away, trying to get him to interact with the rods and they're getting nothing. 
it's like silent in the room. But he's in the next room with his little Adobe Audition open. He's got his audio recording software. And he's like, it wasn't silent. And he's playing us supposedly what was happening in that silence. I think we've seen this in, let's say, our episode on EVP. The idea was that uh, using a radio, using a microphone, you will you have, you can crank up the sensitivity to a point beyond human hearing. Yes, which, yes, you are going to hear a lot of weird noises when you get to that level. It could be sounds from beyond the grave. It's also cranked up so high and so intensively that you could hear a beetle yawn. <laughs> That's how sensitive this thing is. But what do you make of that sound that they just picked up? Listen, man, if you're going to show me paranormal evidence from a paranormal TV show where paranormal investigators are trying to find paranormal evidence, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow. Anytime you watch this Most Haunted, Ghost Hunters, even Northern Ireland's Greatest Haunts, you got to appreciate there's a lot of bias that comes with presenting this thing. There's no scientists in that room. (laughs) These are ghost hunters. And guess what? If they don't have someone saying something, they don't have an episode. I... (laughs) <laughs> Rory's an MIB Rory's not an MIB Rory's an MIB Rory likes credible paranormal have, evidence uh, Sorry, no, sorry. He does. You, no, Rory just tried to take down the entire paranormal world So he said I'm sorry Do not adjust your sets everyone Don't, don't try and clean out your ears You heard know. it right You heard it right ladies and gentlemen That Rory said we can't trust paranormal investigators that's I what Rory said. said paranormal investigators like this need, need to be understood that they have a bias towards creating a conclusion. We get to say no because that's part of our job as legit paranormal investigators. These guys don't. They don't get to walk away and say, we didn't hear anything, we didn't see anything, and nothing happened. We do get to kind of do that. I can't believe this. <laughs> Joe, you know I'm just going to stop the Zoom recorder right now. <laughs> I'm going to hit stop right now. Hey, hey don't hey, touch uh, it. Uh, don't touch it. I, there's no point in doing it. I'm just going to turn don't it off. I'm it. Gonna turn, don't touch it. Stop it. Ow, you're hurting me. I ain't going to turn off this Zoom recorder because there's no point in us doing this podcast. If I'm sitting here for a goddamn hour and I'm trying to explain to you the story of how... Why did I sit around explaining the story of Half-Hung McNaughton and every time he took a shit since the age he was six, if at the point I actually show you some evidence, you're saying it's bullshit. I've never been more aware of the fact that Kit has no evidence left in a story before than this moment right now. I'm handing you! I'm sorry, but I'm handing you! <laughs> Your voice is cracking. Your voice is cracking. Of a ghost saying, I'm stuck inside. <laughs> I'm stuck inside. I'm stuck. I didn't even show you the bit where he said, help me. This isn't even the ghost that we're talking about today. You you told me for 45 minutes about the life of a different ghost. This no, isn't even the guy. No, John, John is there. <laughs> John is there, but John hangs out in the ghost room getting into bed with people. Sure. The one who decided, maybe John was busy, the one who decided to speak up and talk. This is nuts. Is the the ghost of Andrew Knox. I I even think, I'm always skeptical of um, equipment being used in these these ghost hunting uh, adventures as well. Yeah, you're right. They should just draw their message in the sand. (laughs) They should just sing it into the wind. Yeah, you're right. It's not pure enough, is it, to use a microphone? Well, look, we talked about being able to communicate with the dead, technology that can actually do that, and how it's achi- how it's allegedly achieved. Cranking a microphone to maximum input and then isolating any sound you can and seeing if it sounds like something. I don't know. That doesn't seem what are you like talking a way about? to do it. That's like, saying, that's like saying pointing a high-definition camera in a room is not using our eyes. I don't think it is. What? A a camera is the video of what uh, a microphone is for audio. So you're saying we can't use cameras now? I'm going to throw off the Zoom recorder because you're saying recordings aren't real. Look, I've just seen enough videos of paranormal investigators turning up and throwing a slinky down a staircase to prove that ghosts are real. And I would agree if that was what was happening. If If I said... Rory, did you see the, the the red what's-a-doodle lit up like a Christmas tree? Right. And you were uh, skeptical. But no, I'm saying they turned the recorder on and when they listened to the recorder, they heard a man saying, help me. Right. 
So uh, just because you believe all of this 100%, apparently, yes. the uh, the man who earlier said he saw a figure in the corner of the room with his head down shuffling across the floor, <laughs> you believe that as well? Because oh, he, we don't, don't, we because don't he saw that with his eyes. We have good evidence, no. right? Because you said human eyes are like camcorders. Yeah. High definition recording software. No, I'm the one it's who the likes recording thing. shit. You don't like recording shit, it's the same apparently. Thing, kids. Uh, I don't know what his deal is. I think he had one too he was, many he was Bushmills whiskey before the investigation <laughs> started. You didn't get to see it in the video as well, but, but right before he claims to have saw the figure, he, he kind <laughs> of like, he's kind of slumped in a chair and then he jolts awake, <laughs> drops the flashlight on the floor. He actually did. <laughs> he actually did. As if he it was is. completely asleep before he apparently saw the figure. I love the bit where he's like, he's, he's like, you just have to take my word for it. It's like, <laughs> that's why we have the equipment. Why wasn't the equipment used? Um, thoughts? We can go straight to conclusions if you want. I will. We can go straight and to I will. conclusions. And I will go straight to conclusions. <laughs> okay. And I will. This is insane. Rory, we have talked about the... Uh, I should have deleted this submission. I'm starting to think you're worse than John. I wish I had a podcast with half-hanged John and I didn't have to deal with you every day. Being a, because at least John probably was open-minded to the paranormal. I think at one point Unlike he was... this shill sitting across from me who wouldn't know a chupacabra if it bit his ball sack off. <laughs> okay. You've said quite enough, sir. Rory, I have... I have... I have talked to you. I wish Hafung McNaughton would bite my nuts off. About the, At least I'd have some physical evidence. About the modern sightings by Lane, someone like that. Uh, in addition to Colin, who owns the house, people who have all claimed to have seen and felt the same thing of a ghost getting into bed with them. Uh, in addition to the people who have seen the ghost wandering the house and the grounds. We have the backstory of why the ghost of Andrew Knox or the ghost of John would be kicking around his day. The terrible life that befell both of them. Kind of terrible lives. One of them was just a piece of shit. And then the professional paranormal investigator team going to the location and supposedly capturing the voice of one of these ghosts. At the end of every episode, we have to decide whether it's a yes or a no. And I can see you fidgeting because you desperately want to start saying something. I'm fine. I'm just waiting my, my turn. Rory, in the case of half-hanged McNaughton, what are you saying? How dare you? How dare you bring another paranormal investigator team onto this podcast and try and use their evidence to support your claims against me, the other half of a paranormal investigating team. Uh, this week from me, it's a no. It's a no for me. This care to explain why? Uh, I think by principle, any episode where we talk for 50 minutes about the person when they were alive and then six minutes about them as a ghost, that's usually an indication that we don't have a lot of records extensively of them being a ghost. We actually do. We have witness statements from multiple people and we have audio recordings. And just to be clear, the the uh, encounters that the witnesses had were feeling like there was someone else in the bed, but never seeing anything or capturing anything on video or photos. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Rory is showing his true colors. We've all known that there has been a bias on this paranormal life. There's not a bias. You ever wonder how every UFO case with so much as a fucking scratch in the earth gets a yes from where a starship destroyer landed? Uh, yet a, yet a, a self-respecting ghost case with uh, both witnesses and evidence uh, is not only given a respectful no and a tip of the hat, but uh, is it, it is denigrated. It is a scorched earth policy. Uh, of Rory shutting it down. I, I just, I'll just, I'll just let the let the audience decide for themselves. When the Pentagon releases declassified photos of half-hung McNaughton, <laughs> then I will talk about him seriously on this podcast. Until Biden has to hold a press release saying that he's real, then maybe we can talk about him seriously on the podcast. But right now, 
He's up there with the greats such as Jeff the Mongoose and Corny the Irish Ghost, who I'm pretty sure was just a man living in a barrel. I don't know why you're bringing up old cases uh, into this one. It seems a little unprofessional. And I will say that Corny is one of the uh, fan favourites, you know, not to get into it. Fan favourites, just like such fictional books as Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Hey, you come down on the conclusion that you need to come down on, Rory. And uh, to know this, and I will remember it. <laughs> I'll remember it well. All right. And now the moment that we've all been waiting for, mm-hmm. of course, is Kit Greer Malvena's conclusion as a professional paranormal investigator. Word is bond here. These these conclusions are branded on us for life. I'm ready. So make sure if you ever meet Kit in person to talk to him at length about what his conclusion is. Today's a no. <laughs> all right. There you go. <laughs> Because whilst there is uh, some good evidence, in this case, some fantastic evidence, actually, uh, mm. for the case of uh, John Halfhand McNaughton's existence, um, and certainly I think Colin, I think Lane are excellent character witnesses. I think they brought a lot of value to this case. The problem is the evidence that was retrieved at the end by the paranormal investigating crew, uh, as you pointed out, Rory, was not of John. It was of someone else associated with the story, uh, so I think in the case of half hanged McNaughton, uh, we actually don't have physical evidence to, to support it's that, true. that he's haunting to this very day. But you believe John's ghost is real and can talk to the living through microphones? Could be, could be. It certainly looks that way. <laughs> and that might be next week. Okay, okay. It certainly Glad looks that it. way. It certainly looks that way. So... Um, <laughs> It certainly looks that way. <laughs> I don't know why that line cracks me up so much. Well, it certainly does appear so. It does appear so. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like, I'm so biased, but, but I'm playing it off as like really casual. You know, the, all the, ev- the evidence, I guess it would actually point in that direction. Yeah. Um, hopefully you guys don't need a change of trousers after that astonishingly spooky uh, tale of uh, the case of half-hanged McNaughton. And I will shout out again that that evidence at the end came from the TV show Northern Ireland's Greatest Hunts. Um, when was that show released? When was it made? Uh, yeah, around the 2000s, I think. Okay. I, I didn't know there was a paranormal hunting team in Northern Ireland. I need to check these guys out. See how reputable this evidence really is. There isn't. Uh, I've, I've looked them up and they don't seem to exist anymore. Um, they ah. used to have a website, used to have a Facebook page, which was active Yeah, sometime until the late... Uh, the the late mid 2000s Dang. I would say uh, yeah it looks like the show actually came out in 2009 so shout out to them we love to see anyone investigating the paranormal um, and thank you for listening today um, you know we got to fight the good fight and still investigate ghost cases even in the face of uh, absolutely brutal discrimination by Rory so don't I worry guys I did a guys. ghost case recently I, I did a bring... ghost case not long ago I don't recall that uh, I'm going to keep fighting the good fight and bring you guys more hard-hitting evidence than granted I'll probably get shut down by the MIBs or sooner roaring than the MIB. They, guess they don't even need to come and whoop my ass. Uh, I assume all of, your, around. all of your episodes are going to be like exactly the same as this. Like, let me tell you about uh, this guy. He was a real piece of work. <laughs> uh, just listing <laughs> off all the horrible things that he did. And in the last five minutes, it's like, and some people say he's now a ghost. Conclusions? It's <laughs> like... What? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I think you said quite enough. Okay. You said it was a no, by the way. You said your own case was a no. No, no, so no. no I, why don't you, why don't you wind up the rest of the podcast? Because clearly, clearly, I should just go f*** myself, shouldn't I? <laughs> I, should just, I should just go take a, take a long walk off a short pier. I think That's you what should, I should stop do. talking is what I'll do. And I'll end the podcast right now. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. A bit of a weird one. This week, bit of an unconventional one, but uh, hey, sometimes it's fun to let the lunatics run the asylum. You know what I mean? Uh, of course, we'll be back next week with a three-parter UFO story, which is more or less me just leaking government secrets live on the podcast. Uh, not quite as entertaining and containing that much visual uh, and sound effects, but, you know, it'll still be entertaining in a way. Um, we want to thank Kit, obviously, for hosting this week's episode. So a round of applause for Kit. Anything else you want to say before we end the show? You good? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. All right. I'm, uh, I'm all set.
he's whispering now for some reason. Like he's, it looks like he's trying to. I'm good. Yeah. You finish it. You finish, you finish the episode. I'm good. So it seems like he's, you know, not talking uh, out of principle, but I want to let you know he's actually getting really choked up and I can see tears in his eyes. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just making a point that if you think you're so great at doing this show, you do it. All right. You do it. Hey, if you enjoyed uh, this episode, then you're going to love it when you come see us live. We are going to the United States of America, playing in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, L.A., Somerville. And then we're going across the ocean. We're going to part that son of a bitch. And we're going right across it. And we're going to be performing in venues all across the U.K. as well. London, Glasgow, Manchester, Belfast. Tickets for those shows are still available. And you don't want to miss it. So we've got some fun stuff planned. Yeah, Rory is going to be there. Rory is going to be in L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, and so on and so forth. I will. I will not. <laughs> he uh, will. Because I think Rory, Rory is... He Because, of course, we've all he seen will. Rory is so great at this part. Like that. I think... I don't think I even need to go, actually. He'll I, be there. I, I think Rory could just do the whole thing himself. He so will, He'll be so there. So buy right. tickets to go see Rory on Rory's World Tour. This paranormal Rory. <laughs> Kit will be there also. Uh, don't I worry won't. about that. <laughs> and if I and if I am if I will be there, dragged kicking and screaming. Frankly, he usually cools I'll be off. Si- I'll be silent. Sometimes I buy him an ice cream I'll after be the podcast, silent. and he forgets what we were. The ice what cream we place is closed. I looked. There's Just whenever place. you said no, I Google on my phone <laughs> and it's closed. So I'll be silent. You're like sometimes I throw a fit to get the ice cream, even when I'm happy, so that I can get the ice cream. Thisparanormallife.com forward slash tour. You're going to want to pick up tickets to those shows. They are selling out fast and they are selling out soon and often. But no, thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you have enjoyed it. Of course, you guys, if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that we have many other episodes available right now. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Some of them over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. That is the behind the scenes, the too hot for TV, too juicy stuff. Woo! The craziest cases in this paranormal life history uh, available for as little as $5 a month. One of the rewards you can get over there is a shout out right here on the show. Will we round out with some? Let's do it. All right, special thank you today to Isha Singh. Isha Singh was named by their parents because they thought they were going to grow up to be a operatic singer or a pop singer or any kind of singer. Ooh, what did they end up doing? They work in a mine. Um, mm. Couldn't sing to save their lives, to be, oh. to be to be quite honest. But really good minor. Okay. Uh, you know, it just goes to show, you can't pick those things, obviously, there's, surely. There's some great Welsh mining songs you could maybe learn. They'd be, they'd be fun to sing down there. Good luck. Thanks, Isha. Thanks also to Monster Matt. Monster Matt, you better run for the hills because I'm going to drink you, brother. I'm going to crack right, open that brilliant. little top and I'm going to drink you Big dry. monster guy. I am. I don't care if you're full sugar, low sugar, sugar free. He's a you're night g- beast. He's a, he's a what, sorry? Night beast is a monster. He's a real monster. Okay. I'm going to maybe... You're good, bud, then. Maybe stay <laughs> away from me. I'll stick to the drinks. Thanks also to Kylie Stallard. Kylie Stallard is a mallard. That's right. Even though they have the name of a human... They're a duck. That's crazy. They have like the body of a human, the name of a human, and yet they are a duck. Who, who named them? They're, I don't know, actually. I guess it was other ducks. All I know is they eat bread by itself. I don't know anyone else that does that but ducks. So if I see you eating bread by yourself, you're a duck to me. Thanks also to Katie. Katie lives in Haiti. Hmm. Pretty cool place to live, uh, I will say. Um, Katie's been out there scoping some new locations for the Paranormal Commune, so not everyone knows that. We've got paranormal agents in every country scouting constantly for locations. Katie's a very special lady. That's all I got. (laughs) Okay. Sounds like her name. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Oh, you're making a joke? Yeah, it was a joke. Oh, sorry. She's not that unique, so don't make her feel bad about it. And thanks lastly today to Mr. Benjamin Ingram. It's all about the Benjamin. When Kit and I were having our uh, monthly meeting about what the the paranormal commune needs, I said, we need more Benjamins. And uh, Kit brought this guy to the commune. (laughs) And I meant, no, I meant cash. We need cash and money. 
But unfortunately, we got a ton of Benjamin. Not unfortunately. Fortunately. You know, we love you guys. Kind of a drain on resources, though, when you think about it. Yeah. And we're talking like, I know this guy's signed up to the Patreon. We got like 1,600 Benjamins. <laughs> they came in by the herd. So a lot of, we're having to use a lot of code names. Benjamin, Benji's, B, Uncle Ben. Uh, it's confusing, but we're going to figure it out, guys. Don't worry. So thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, everyone else we've shouted out today. We, we will be back with more shoutouts from next week, along with a brand new Paranormal Tale. And uh, on Friday with the after party and later in the month with a bonus episode. Thank you for tuning in. Woo! We will talk to you very soon. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.